Welcome to the River Downstream, our podcast. Here are a couple announcements about what is happening with us in the upcoming weeks. Thank you to everyone who donated to the Zambia Partnership. We were able to make our goal of $20,500 to send out into the field and fund their programming. It does come with a bit of a but though, as Melissa put it on Sunday. If you don't know Benjamin, he runs all the programming that we're funding and his motorcycle is about to die. So we need about $6,600 more Canadian in order to ensure he can get around to all the sites he needs to. So if you haven't donated yet or were waiting, here's the last chance before we send all the funds off at the end of June, which is fast approaching. So make sure to indicate those in your donations. And we're very grateful to everyone who has contributed so far. Thank you very much. In other news, the Youth Rise Barbecue was scheduled for this Saturday, the 24th, but because of some unforeseen circumstances, it's being pushed to sometime in July, we think. The meeting for the details is happening Wednesday, Thursday of this week, but you will continue to see updates in Currents. So without further ado, Pastor Cecil Van Nienhuis is back for the second to last week of our Tove series, a Tove Church Nurtures Service. Well, uh, good morning, everybody. Yeah, it's nice to be here again so soon. Um, although I think many of you, there were, the numbers are way smaller about a month ago. I'm not sure why anymore. It must have been a really nice sunny day or something. Uh, but it's nice to see you all. Um, and I've been participating in this series of sermons that Pastor Dale and Michelle have been working on. Uh, from the book that we, a whole number of us read together called it A Church Called Tove. It's about the goodness of God and how a church can radiate the goodness of God, all the different angles to that. So this morning's focus is on um, service, on being a church of servants. And a church that radiates the goodness of God is a church that is willing to think like and act like and maybe even look like a servant. And all of this servantness ties us to Jesus who is the servant of servants with a capital S, the servant of servants. I'm going to read a scripture passage in a minute. I just want to start this way. It turns out that the verses that, um, like, Dale and Michelle and I sat down and and, uh, we chose all these passages from the Gospel of Luke for this series of sermons. So they're all coming from the Gospel of Luke. And it turns out that these verses that I'm going to um, read and speak about today are verses that actually come from a time when Jesus was having a meal with his disciples. Um... And it just struck me um, as I got started on that, thinking, you know, when I was here four weeks ago, um, I was, I, we read from Luke chapter 7, and Jesus had been invited to dinner at Simon the Pharisee's house. And so that woman uh, poured perfume on his feet and let down her hair and was drying, drying Jesus' feet and so on. And I thought, isn't it interesting? Here again, Jesus is uh, an meal once again. And so I went back in the Gospel of Luke I don't know if you're aware of this. I wasn't. But 
when you go through the Gospel of Luke and think, okay, so how often do you find Jesus sitting at table with people having dinner? And I think I found 15 or 16 times. Um, now that includes some of the parables, so that's cheating a little bit. Um, but let's just say 10 times when he's actually at meal. Um, for example, you remember some of them, he got in trouble because he was having dinner with sinners and tax collectors and people were upset with him. He, um, maybe you remember the time when, when he and his disciples were on the Sabbath day, they were walking through a grain field, plucking grain and they were getting in trouble. That's kind of a fast food meal for back then. <laughs> um, he was feeding the 5,000. That's an outdoor picnic of sorts, isn't it? But it's a meal. He was at Mary and Martha's house, remember? When Martha was complaining about who's helping me out in the kitchen over here, that whole thing. Um, he saw Zacchaeus one day in the tree and said, I'm coming to your house for dinner today. So there's a whole number of times, even after the resurrection. Remember he walked along with these two people They were going to this little town called Emmaus? And lo and behold, they invite him in. He joins them for supper. And as he breaks the bread, they suddenly realize it's Jesus. And they race back to the upper room and um, tell the others that they, they spotted Jesus alive again. And Jesus suddenly shows up in the upper room and they're not sure if it's for real or not. And he says, give me a piece of fish. And he eats just to show them. There's just meal after meal after meal. And here we are at a church where everybody's sitting at tables and I thought, isn't that an interesting coincidence? Uh, and what's the significance of all of that? Um, Luke, as I mentioned when I was here the other day, Dr. Luke, Dr. Luke knows that the table is important. Meals, what you eat, what we don't eat, the interaction at the table, there's a lot of things to observe, a lot of things that happen around a table that have to do not only with food, with sustenance, but have to do with just your whole being, your well-being of the whole person, the social interaction, the prepping, the eating, the conversation, all of that stuff. So, maybe the image that Dr. Luke is offering us as we think about a church called Tove, at least today, is the image of a table, a dinner table, filled with really good food. And that's where we find Jesus today at a meal and teaching. And I'm going to read a little bit from Luke chapter 22. You can follow along if you like or just listen. Take your pick. Um, I'm going to read from Luke 22. It's a longer passage. Um, it's in the upper room. And Luke 22 tells you that you're almost at the end of the gospel at Luke. So actually, this is, this is actually what we call the Last Supper in the upper room, just before um, the day he was crucified. So it's, it's really close to the end of his ministry. Part of what happens in that upper room is this. He took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, 
saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. Wow. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. You can imagine. Also, a dispute arose among them. What? As to which of them was, to be, which of them was considered to be greatest. Here comes the teaching moment. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I, says Jesus, I am among you as one who serves. Hmm. So the first question is, which meal is this at which Jesus and the disciples are at? And as I said a minute ago, it's the Last Supper. It's the upper room. Now, crazy thing, right? The disciples have no idea that this is the last time they're going to sit down with Jesus like this. They have no idea how significant this moment is, how strong it's going to become in their memory. And it's kind of a typical thing, isn't it? It happens to us a lot. We have no idea what's going to happen next, today or tomorrow. And sometimes things happen pretty drastically. Um, cars crash. Dauphin, for example, right? Manitoba. People get sick, have heart attacks. Things happen. Suddenly things change and all at once... You remember that one moment from before when, when you were so unsuspecting of how important, how momentous, how weighty, how beautiful, or poignant, or awful that last thing was. Well, Jesus is there, right, with having dinner with his disciples, and they, they think it's just another meal, but it isn't. And Jesus knows that it isn't. And he's telling them things that, that we recognize as the words we use when we celebrate communion, right? The bread which we break and the cup for which we give thanks, this cup that speaks about his blood poured out and so on. And then Jesus even goes on to say, so the hand of the person who's going to betray me is sitting right here at this table. Our hands are on the same table. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm imagining at that point these disciples are having a hard time sorting through all of the stuff that Jesus is saying to them. And we need to be uh, understanding of that, gracious towards those disciples, because you and I have a hard time sorting through all the things Jesus says, and we've, we've gone over it again and again, right? We know how the story ends, and, and yet we, we often struggle with what exactly does this mean? But the disciples, right there on the spot, hearing it for the first time, I think their heads must have been spinning. Just plain spinning. One of us right here at this table is, is going to betray you? 
Well, says Luke, they begin to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. I wouldn't. Would you, would you do that? And you can see the eyes moving around the table. They're kind of wondering, like, which one of us would do something like that? And I think at that point, that might just have been a huge damper on that conversation. Gets awkward, gets quiet, whispering. So you've got these disciples wondering about who would be so low and terrible. And then Luke says, also a dispute arose among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. That's crazy. Don't you think? It's absolutely crazy. How in the world did they get from talking about who's going to betray Jesus to suddenly now having an argument among themselves about who's the greatest? How do you get from point A to point B? Any ideas? How do you think that might have happened? Someone tried to change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I, I, I have no idea. I'm just wondering what you think. So that's let's change the subject. What else? It's just interesting how we... we it's we, we, so how quickly we go to that point of, of uh, setting ourselves a little above or from the others, right? So they've gone from thinking about who's the lowest, and now suddenly they're arguing about the greatest. And it's not just a shift in topic, right? It's an argument. And it can happen, and it can happen fast, right? You've been at dinner tables. You've been at family gatherings, the classic Thanksgiving dinner. Right where suddenly there's a, an argument erupts. It's, it's like spontaneous combustion sometimes. So anyway, here they are, right? They're, they're all at this table, and it's the Last Supper, not that they know it. But Jesus is talking about getting betrayed. Uh, he's talking about a meal that they're going to remember him by, and a meal simply to remember. And he's talking about the bread and the cup and his upcoming death, even though I don't think they really, really were hearing that at all. And um, when Jesus sees the conversation go sideways, Jesus sees the conversation suddenly becoming this argument about who's the greatest, he actually uh, identifies this as an opportunity to teach. I'm just saying, it's really an interesting example of how when conflict breaks out, when there's disagreements that happen, those are actually prime teaching moments for learning and for growth. And uh, those of you who've been keeping up with our denomination, the Christian Reformed Church, uh, you may recognize that that's very true. Um, there are so many things to be learned and to be growing from when we're in the middle of some very difficult conversations. That's a whole other deal. But anyway, so Jesus uses this conflict moment, this who's the greatest, you know, uh, um, to speak a really direct word about attitude, about posture, about where the focus of our attention needs to be. And he uses the table setting to help make his point. Here's what he says. 
He said, listen, the kings of the Gentiles, the, the powers that be out there, political leaders, business leaders, people who are wealthy and well-known and powerful, they, and he's speaking in general tones now, this is, there are exceptions obviously, but he says they use their power, their positions, their privilege to lord it over. That's not a kind word, that's a control word, right? To lord it over the folks around them. Because those around them are beneath them, lesser than somehow. There's a pecking order that's behind the scenes here. There's control dynamics that are behind the scenes here. And Jesus says, you notice that these folks who lord it over others, who use power for their own benefit, not so much the benefit, they call themselves benefactors which is to say, we're people who do good things for you. (laughs) We use our power and we have this position and privilege and you need to appreciate us because we are so kind and thoughtful and caring and et cetera, et cetera. They present themselves as servants often, as people who have our good, our best interests in mind. They want to look good that way, but really Jesus says, beware of this other dynamic that's often going on beneath the surface. And I don't know about you, but in my mind, I instinctively go political, Um, right? We recognize this dynamic because sometimes it can feel like people will tell you, candidates will tell you exactly what they think you want to hear. And they'll say because, you know, oh, this is for your benefit. But it's so that they can gain and then retain the position of power that they seek. And it isn't always about how much they can serve you. It's about how much your vote can serve them. Well, we easily make the connection to the political realm. And maybe even the business dynamics, you know, to, in general, to those whose wealth affords them great power. People who call attention to themselves, who like the center of the stage, who call themselves benefactors. But here's the thing, it's always easy to identify unhealthy dynamics in other people. You look around and you think, oh yeah, you know, those people or that person. And you can spot unhealthy dynamics a mile away, right? So the challenge for us is how can we hear the words of Jesus personally And how can we hear the words of Jesus for us as the river, this faith community? Jesus says, this dispute about who is the greatest uncovers a deep, uh, a foundational core value that we need to own. Jesus says, out there, power is so much about elevating self. It's about being more. It's about being better. And even if you're not so much more or so much better, it's being perceived as more and better. And Jesus says, be careful because sometimes things that pose as generous are often self-serving and Jesus wants us to be alert to that. And he says, you are not to be like that. That's what he says to his disciples. You are not to be like that. So how are we to be different? 
Well, Jesus says the greatest among you should be like the youngest. And the one who rules should be like the one who serves. And then he says, if we're talking about tables, and they were all sitting around the table at that point, or reclining around the table, right? He says, who is greater, the person who is at the table or the person who is serving, waiting? And then he says, remember, I, Jesus, I am among you as one who serves. I wonder if you can picture Jesus wearing an apron. I wonder if you can picture Jesus holding a a tray. I wonder if you can picture Jesus washing dishes. We all like to eat and drink. Some of us even like to prep. (laughs) Some. But washing dishes? Hmm. Think like, act like, look like a servant. A servant's heart thinks about the well-being of others, right? Wonders what they need, maybe even what they want. A servant's heart focuses on the other. What they need, not what I need, not what I want. There's no sense of entitlement. There's no sense of I deserve this. There's no sense of, are you seeing what a good job of helping you I'm doing? Are you seeing what a great attendant I am? A servant's heart is a person who's not afraid to put on work clothes. To pitch in. To get their hands dirty, to sweat, to grunt. To do the sideline work and the backstage work. And a servant's goal is not to get their picture on the wall as employee of the month even though that might happen. A servant's goal is the well-being of the other. Finding joy in somebody else doing well, that makes me happy. I want you just to take a few minutes at your tables to talk about how do we at the river think like servants, act like servants, and look like servants? Just think about that together. It's interesting to have a a conversation about our church about how we experience it, what we see in it, and maybe what we might want to see grow in it. Who knows? It's also interesting to think about um, when I think about the church that I would like to be a member of, what would that church look like? Um, One of the things that we learned during COVID was that um, accessing other worship spots and spaces is quite possible. And there were all kinds of people who uh, weren't able for different reasons to be in physical attendance. 
and accessed all kinds of interesting worship and they discovered that there were some places out there that were fabulous, great preachers, great music, oh man. Have you seen the Good Shepherd in New York City, you know? And, um, and, and celebrities who attend. Um, if any of you watch NBC on TV and the Today Show, uh, you'll know who Savannah Guthrie is and or Jenna Bush, daughter of the former president. Well, they're both members of this church and, and when they do, they had to put together these uh, really nice litanies and so on. There they were. And people thought, wow, this is really something. And the facilities are great, and there's all kinds of examples like it. The thing that Jesus' words do is caution us a little bit because celebrity preachers and star musicians and first-rate facilities, all of that center stage stuff, can be really wonderful. It can. And it has far too often imploded because the dynamics at work were not healthy. And power was used to serve self and benefactors actually turned out to be bogus factors. Right? It just wasn't what it looked like at the start. So self-examination is one of the things that Jesus calls us to today because it's really challenging even when it comes to being generous, being serving, thinking about others, it's really challenging to sift through our own motivations and what of our motivation is pure and what of it is tinged with I'm proud of how generous I am. I feel good about how kind I am. You know, who is the greatest? Well, I'm very gracious, etc. It's just really hard because no matter what we talk about, there's, there's evil and good that always, always intertwine and fight with each other and are at war. And there's no simple way, there's no simple line that says, here's all good and here's all evil. It's just, it's challenging for us always. So considering our own motivations personally, our own posture, considering our own way of being together as one faith community among many others, you know all kinds of churches are into branding. We're going to be the church that does this or does that, and we're going to do it really well. Setting themselves apart. Servants, the best attendants are the ones who are almost not noticeable. Right? They just are there doing stuff, making it work well. They're good at the side stage and the backstage, and they know how to be on center stage without being on center stage. They're just there. So maybe sometimes, you know, if you have a preacher who has a really good servant heart, and if you have people around you in a church community who you know really care for you and respect you and love you and will go the extra mile with you and for you, and if you have a facility that works, it doesn't have to be center stage grand. 
to be really, really good. Maybe what we can do this morning is simply let Luke leave us with an image, a table image. Remember this teaching happened in a conflict around a table at which Jesus was teaching about his upcoming sacrifice. Jesus is the servant of servants and the church is that place where at the center of the table is actually Jesus, the symbols of his servant heart. And the people at this table, the church, they are the people around this Savior, this Jesus. They are for each other and with each other. And these are the people who leave worship settings and participate in life and bear witness to who this Jesus is. The food is center stage. It's Jesus. And Pastor Dale, I think, is going to pull all of these things together and focus very, very strongly on the point of Jesus being at the heart of this. That'll be next week. In the meantime, just keep the picture of a table in your mind, in your heart. Picture those disciples around that table, talking, asking, wondering, arguing. And then Jesus saying, don't forget, I, ruler of heaven and earth, I am among you as one who serves Jesus died an ignoble death. He lived a short life. One little place in the whole wide world. But what he accomplished? Well, we're here, aren't we? Let's pray together. Jesus you are with us even today. And we are so glad about that. We are so humbled by that. We wonder, Jesus, what it's like for you to have all the power that you do and then so willingly, so fully to relinquish it, to use all of your power in ways that we would never expect to make sure that your will was strong enough to persevere, to make sure that your insistence on accomplishing the task you were given, that you would suffer all that you did for it. We acknowledge you as the one whose will is stronger than we can imagine, whose heart is larger than we can picture, and whose arms carry and bless in ways that we just plain want to say thank you. So Lord God, would you bless us and make us the kind of people who point by how we think, how we act, and even how we look. That point to Jesus because we're servants of the servant and we're glad to be there. Lord, keep in front of us the picture too of another table, a table that's eternal and um, the feast that's prepared, 
the day when we'll be with you in person to see face to face. And in the meantime, um, hold us close and bless us with the kind of humility and energy that makes us people of yours. In Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this recording. Just a reminder that you can find our website at rivercommunity.ca. There you can find our events calendar with information about upcoming messages and gatherings, or sign up for currents. Feel free to send us a message on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Our services start 10 o'clock Sunday mornings, and you are welcome to come early for coffee, tea, and bagels. Have a great week. Bye-bye.